So when I was in, um, <clears throat> it was seventh or sixth grade. I can't remember which. Uh, I was, I think I was Weinsteined. You were, you were Weinsteined by somebody? Yeah. You know, Harvey Weinstein, you know, masturbating in front of unwilling people. And into a plant? Into a plant, yeah. So I was in, um, <clears throat> there was this kid, we'll just call him, uh, I don't know. We'll go with Scuba Steve again. Scuba Steve. Wait, hold on one second. Is this in Brunswick? No, this is how I know it's the sixth or seventh grade because I moved to Brunswick when I was in the eighth grade. And this was right before that. And I think the other reason I remember is because at the time I hadn't masturbated yet. I masturbated for the first time in the eighth grade, which I don't know. Is that weird? Is that, was I a late bloomer? Uh, A little bit. It's borderline. All right. So I hadn't masturbated yet. I hadn't figured out what to do with this dick yet. And I used to be in this one class, I think it was a math class, and we didn't have desks. We had tables so you could see under the table. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like a couple community tables. And I used to sit behind this kid who I was actually friends with, and he always wore gym shorts to school. Always. And then the winter... Even in the snow? Well, he'd wear like sweatpants in the in the winter. But he was one of those weird kids who would sometimes wear shorts when it was fucking cold out. And one day, I, I'm still convinced I maybe made this up in my head, because I'm, I'm just... Uh, I was so shocked and scarred by it that I let it go on for a long time because I kept convincing myself there's no way this is happening. You're going crazy. So when I would look to the front of the classroom, you know, the under the table would be visible to me. And I would see this big flap of skin come out of his gym shorts and he would just start playing with it, masturbating. Like he kind of sink low in his seat, whip it out, and he just start How many times did this happen? It happened it happened enough where I was like, I, I've, I, I'm sure this is happening. I, I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And I was also, I was friends with this kid. This kid was very normal. So I, I was had like a conflict. I was like, I don't know what to do. But I'm watching this dude masturbate like every fucking day. Just in class? Yeah. He would just do it openly. And Did I, anybody else see it? So I only remember one other time. Because I, I, I was like, other people have to see this because we're one table behind him. And I'm like, another person has to be seeing this. Was he in the front of the room? Where was he? So the way the room set up, yeah, it's basically there's a projector in the front. That's where the teacher was. And he, he'd be messing around with the chalkboard or messing around with the projector. And he was the table right behind the projector. And then I was the table behind that. So And we were sitting like sideways to the front of the so room. So it was like two rows then. Yeah. And we were in kind of the same row, which was how I could see. And I do remember one time there was a girl sitting across from me and I did look over to her. I didn't even know who she was. I looked over to her at one point and she was looking at me to make sure I was seeing it too. And then we just, I mean, we just pretended it it wasn't happening. But so anyway, I'm watching this kid masturbate every day and I I don't know what to do about it. How long did it go on for? Maybe a few weeks, a few weeks. And I would try so hard not to look, but the, it's the motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like trying to learn calculus or whatever, but I keep seeing skin on skin just going up and down, up and down. And eventually I got to look down to be like, is it happening? 
is my mind playing tricks on me? And I'd look down, and there he is, fucking jerking off, middle of the fucking so class. So he would have his dick out, and he would be jerking off. Yeah, he'd be in like class. jerking, like facing his his stomach. But the weird thing is, so you could see his dick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Overtime. Yeah. Was it big? I. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think it was just an average dick. But the other weird thing is I don't remember him ever, like, coming on his stomach or anything. That you know of. Maybe I just... Maybe you blocked that part out. Yeah, maybe that that part I blocked out. Like, he always seemed to be, like, kind of soft when he was playing with his dick. Like, you know how a baby plays with their dick? They're always, like, touching their penis and stuff. Like, little kids do that. I, I'm I'm telling you, I've known people with little kids, and these kids will just like fucking poke at their dicks all day, and that's kind of what he was doing. And then I even remember there were a couple times this really shocked me, where he would lick, he'd lick his hand. Oh my god! <laughs> I swear, dude. Jesus, I, dude. I swear to God. Holy it, fuck! It, it just it reached a point where again I I was I'm like okay, this is happening. I know this is happening, but I don't have the mental tools. To know what to do. I haven't even started jerking off yet. You know what I mean? I'm like watching this kid getting pointers. So eventually I did. I ended up going to uh, school dance. And uh, I can't even remember who the chick was. It was probably some chick I was like trying to dance with or something. And I, for whatever reason that night, I had to tell somebody. And I told her and she proceeded to tell everyone. And then I outed this This is a Zach Lehman story So now. I basically outed this kid. I remember he was really As upset that night. But I guess, I, I don't know what ended up happening because I, I moved not long after that. And I think it was so weird. People just didn't want to talk about it because it wasn't like a big deal. You know what I mean? It, it was like a big deal that night. And then I just don't remember. But I, I never saw him pull his dick out after that. And then he shot up a theater in Colorado on the premiere of Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah, who knows what he's up to today's jerking off in plants and locking doors behind women because that's i mean that's future like this kid needs to be in therapy yeah you know what i mean yeah well i wonder if he was a little bit autistic or something like that i'm telling you he was no i mean he was i don't think there was anything wrong with him like that i mean he just had some buried fucking sexual kink sounds like it yeah, it was weird. I, I forget about this story for like long periods of my life because I like black it out. And then sometimes it hits me. You know what I mean? Just him like licking his hand and putting it down his pants. Broadcasting straight from Big Rock Candy Mountain. I'm Zachary Lehman. I am Taylor Berryman. How can people find you, Taylor? You can find me on Instagram as the underscore Poptimist, which is the name of my podcast that you can find on Apple Podcast as well as Spotify and on Facebook as Taylor Berryman or look up the Poptimist podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Writing Lehman and Zachary Lehman on Instagram and Facebook and go buy my book nine on amazon so this and like and subscribe to man of science man of faith yes always i always we got it we got an instagram we also have an email man of science pod at gmail.com yeah email us tell us like uh, subscribe tell a friend all that good stuff absolutely 
So on this week's episode, we are talking about the one and only Bruce Springsteen. Yes. And his one and only album, Nebraska. Yes. A different album for Bruce Springsteen. I, I was going to ask you because you're, I mean, obviously you're a musician, so you are more of a music guy than me. Um, do, do Bruce Springsteen fans really even talk about this? Because I never hear anyone talk. We talk about it every now and then. Well, it was a weird album for him because it was right in between The River and Born in the USA. Two huge albums. For yes. Them. And this album, Nebraska, is very dark, very moody. Lyrically, it's in the same vein. Like It makes sense that it's a Bruce Springsteen album, but it's also kind of a departure. Yeah, he's still talking about like the working class, middle America, but he's he goes David Lynch with it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe yeah. it. It's uh I, I love this album. You bought this for me years ago to listen to, or you gave me your copy or whatever, and uh From Bull Moose. This is my favorite Bruce Springsteen album, for sure. Mine too. I as far as my power rankings go, I would probably put this as number one, and then number two would be Darkness on the Edge of Town and then Born to Run. Mm-hmm. I've never been a big Born in the USA guy. No, that's just the stuff that when you turn on the radio, that's the Springsteen stuff that you played. Which is not bad. No, it's great music. It's just, it gets old very, very quickly, you know. But Nebraska is such a departure for him because The River was a produced album. And then, of course, Born in the USA produced album, like straight ahead pop album. So if you compare Nebraska to Born in the USA, they're a huge contrast in mood and in subject well yeah that's what i was getting at is it feels like this is an album that would might surprise some springsteen fans who are just like oh yeah i like born in the usa and then you would play this for them and they'd be like whoa this is springsteen because it's all acoustic mm-hmm. and he recorded it on a four track little harmonica a, thrown in a harmonica he he did some overdubs yeah. but he recorded this album all in one day January really? 3rd, 1982. Yeah, he did some overdubs. Holy shit. Because he changed his approach to writing. He always wrote in the studio, and that's when he would write, and he didn't like that. He wanted to write something to have ready to bring to the band. Mm-hmm. But he ended up bringing it to the band. They Because tr- these were originally just, this album was d- demos mm-hmm. for the band to learn the songs. Oh, and that's why they're so simple. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because they were going to fill it out. And once they got into the studio, it didn't really work out with the full band because mm. it removed the haunting kind of quality. Yeah. But it's pretty crazy. He recorded, I think, six of the songs or something like that all in that first night, which means if, if he recorded all in that first night, he was doing everything in one or two takes because he probably didn't give a fuck because he's like, mm. this is demos. I'm just sending it to these guys and then we're going to produce the shit out of it. It's crazy, though, because the simpleness of the album is part of what's so fucking great about it. It is. And on those sessions, which are referred to as the electric Nebraska sessions, Mm -hmm. he also began work on like multiple songs from born in the USA. So they got together. It really wasn't working out. And then he, I think he started writing in the studio and that's when they did born in the USA. They did glory days and a couple other songs from that album. That's crazy. And Maybe Born in the USA is a little bit of a response to Nebraska. 100%. Because Nebraska, he went to some dark fucking places. Yes. So I guess the more I think about it, it actually makes sense that he would then turn to songs like Glory Days. You know what I mean? Well, you also got to think about it. He's in the studio with the band. They're trying to work shit out, and it's sounding a certain way. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this isn't working. 
and maybe some of the ideas that they're playing end up being Born in the USA. It's just big and themic sounding songs. So these two albums are like uh, twisted, twisted step cousins. Yeah. They nice. can kiss. It's okay. Nice. Nebraska. I, I feel like Nebraska would be an album that don't kiss. Yeah. Kissing's off the table. <laughs> Everything else on the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, the album cover. Yeah. What do you think of the album cover? Again, I, I like that it has a simple quality to it. and it Very fits, sparse. It fits the, again, a little bit Lynchian. Not in an obvious way. Yeah. But in a sort of looking at middle America and sort of the seedy parts that people don't acknowledge. Well, the album cover is just a picture from the inside of a car. Mm-hmm. And it's driving down the road and you just mm-hmm. see it, which I'm guessing is probably nebraska or something like that it looks Mm. like that yeah but yeah this album i think was a a huge departure for bruce springsteen but it also really wasn't at the same time it makes sense that he did this album i mean he he does have songs since this album that do sort of touch on the same themes and even before it, he did too yeah but there was something that he just nailed yeah and i think it's due to the haunting quality of just him and the recordings are all kind of reverbed out him and acoustic he did and i kind of wish he had done more of this but then again it's kind of nice having this one album that's yeah. just perfect yeah i agree with that so you want to get right into it bud yeah let's get into it first song nebraska nebraska interesting putting the song that shares the album's title as the first song well originally the album was supposed to be called stark weather because this song is about a killer named Charles Stark. Starkweather. Yeah. But he I think he changed it because it was too on the nose. And it fit too like too well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like that he went with Nebraska. The opening lyrics of this song are oh, I, I saw her it. standing on her front lawn, just twirling her baton. Me and her went for a ride, sir, and ten innocent people died. And Bruce Springsteen, his vocals here are very creepy. Yeah. Like he sounds like a man just itching to do something bad so is this the song that's about the the guy you just said charles starkweather yeah charles starkweather he uh he had a girlfriend that was 14 and they went around killing people from nebraska i think to wyoming and that's what the lyrics of the song are from the town of lincoln nebraska with a sawed off 410 in my lap which is just like boom Mm -hmm. you know what i mean through the badlands of wyoming i killed everything in my path Dark as fuck, dude. Yeah, and I, I was actually going to say those uh, before I, I listen to the rest of the songs. It gets more specific as, as it goes along because it's basically this guy's journey. But when it first started with those opening lyrics, I was like, I mean, you know, the guy talking is not a good guy. Yeah, and I was like, fuck, what happened? Like, were were these two together? Did he? Because it sounds like. Yeah. It also sounds like if I didn't know the 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 thing about the the killer that you just told me, one of my other thoughts was like. Maybe the 14-year-old girl, maybe he grabbed her and raped her and killed her. And Well, the opening lyric of the song, it's based on the Terrence Malick movie, uh, Badlands. Badlands. That's the opening scene, I guess, is a girl twirling her oh, baton. Oh, and I, I, haven't seen, I've, I haven't seen Badlands in forever, but I wonder if that was based on the same guy. Interesting. Maybe, yeah. That- can, you, can you look that up, Milhouse, real quick? This movie called Badlands. Just see if it's based on this guy that... Uh, just look at the Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as it goes on, he basically... He gets caught. 
Yes, he gets caught. He's not sorry for the things that he did. No. He, uh, and even Charles Starkweather, he wrote a letter to his dad from prison. It is. It is? Okay, cool. Cool. And he told them, I'm not sorry. We had fun, which yeah. is the lyrics in the song. Yep. And there, there's another lyric. Can you read it? Because you have the, the lyrics in front of you where he's talking about uh, put my baby on my lap. Yeah. Because he's ready. He, like, they're, they're going to put him to death, and he's like, I don't give a You fuck. make sure my pretty baby is sitting right there on my lap. So this guy, he got the death penalty, and he was pushing hard for his 14-year-old girlfriend to also get the death penalty. He wanted Ooh. her to die, too. <laughs> um, I, I got to say a, a lyric that pops up when they ask him, they ask me why I did what I'd done, and he says, I guess there's just a meanness in this world. Yeah. Now, I love this. And it made me think of, let's see if you can guess it. We did another episode and there was a certain man we talked about that it, that line made me think of. You know what I'm talking about? Teddy Perkins? No. Barnes. Oh, yeah. Because the thing is at the end when he's just like, I I'm not sorry. I don't give a fuck. And then his explanation of, I guess there's just a meanness in this world. Uh, and Barnes, I'm talking about from the movie Platoon. We did an episode. Go listen to it. But it, it touches on the same themes because Barnes was a character who was evil and knew he was evil. And his own evilness and the fact that he's allowed to exist makes him think the world is shit and meaningless. It's the same thing with this guy. Yeah. Like he's he's basically saying, it's not even me that has the meanness. It's just the world. Because if I feel it and I'm allowed to do it, then this world's shit. Well, this whole song is basically the way that I, I take it whenever I listen to it. It's a guy on death row yeah. singing, singing about oh yeah what everything he's done. And this he's, is probably this is his last thoughts before they take him to the chair because he, he he describes them pulling his hair back and tying him up and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh what a what a creepy song to open the fucking album. Yeah, with. and it's it's just haunting as fuck. You know it what is. I mean? And every, everything is just kind of like drenched in reverb. It sounds like a bedroom recording. And it I, sounds like it's in a, like a haunted house. Yeah. And again, I love Bruce Springsteen's voice doesn't change a lot song to song, but he changes it just enough. Like here, he's got a real... He inflects it differently. Yeah, he's got a real kind of creepiness, yet lightness to his voice. And he's singing everything. A lot of these songs, this one especially, they have like a almost a lullaby quality. You know what I mean? Yeah, I very, can see that. Very dreamlike, very like you're not acting as dark as this material is, well, which makes it darker. It, they're almost like hymns of darkness. Hymns, yes. That, that's much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of them, I feel like there's some like religious themes on this album too, which we'll we'll get into later mm -hmm. for another song. Yeah, but to me, a lot of this sounds like dark, like church music. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, anything more in Nebraska? No. Is it? Do you have a favorite song off this album? You don't have to tell me now. I'm just asking if it's Nebraska. Uh, it's one of my favorites, but it's yeah. not my favorite. Yeah, Nebraska's up there for me. Next is, this is the only one I think I've ever heard on the radio. This was the first single for the album. Atlantic City, which yeah. is just fucking And there's a famous song. cover that uh, the band, I think, did. A, well, the band was broken up, but Levon Helm from the band mm -hmm. does a bit. And I, I think they did it on like one of their uh, like comeback albums or something like that. Interesting. And it became a like a big live show staple, and Levon Helm even played it as he continued mm. on his in his career. He would always play Atlantic City. Yeah, so this is uh, 
a much more typical Springsteen song as far as the sound. Because it's a little more rocking. It's a little, you know, you want to sing along. But it is still dark as fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, I love, uh, I think what everyone knows is the, the chorus. Well, well, now everything dies, baby. That's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday comes back. Put your makeup on, fix your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City. And he sings this throughout the whole song. The rest of it is basically him talking about, what, what does he say? They blew up the chicken man at the beginning? In Philly. <laughs> yeah. And this was in reference to like uh, a mob hit. Yeah. So uh, we talked about this a little bit. I always took this song as a guy who's getting into organized crime and he's telling his girlfriend, I'm about to go do a job. Just hang out here for a minute. I'm going to come back for you. And then we're going to get out of here. We're never going to come back. But yeah, you have another opinion. I, okay. I have a very, very dark take on this song. So the song is all, I mean, first, I, when I was first listening to it, I was just hearing the Atlantic City stuff. So I'm like, oh, is this about like the sort of soullessness of a place like Atlantic City or the changes? But he says things about he, he owes debts. Uh, there's, there's a line that Springsteen actually uses on another song. When he says, well, I got a job and tried to put my money away, but I got debts that no honest man can pay. And the debts one, he, he sings again later. But uh, he keeps saying, put your makeup on, you know, make your hair all pretty. And there's one point where he tells her, uh, I don't know if I have the actual line down, but he tells her to put like uh, boots on, like sexy boots. Uh, stockings. Stockings. Okay. You ready for this, Millhouse? This might make you a little depressed. Okay. My theory, this man has lost all his money because he's, he's been in a crime. It hasn't been working out. He's got a gambling addiction. He's going to pimp his woman out in Atlantic City. I think you're, I do think you're right. I think, um, why else would he say the stockings? I think, I think we're both right in this. And he, he also says when he says the stockings thing, isn't the next line about the night's getting cold? Yes. Because we got, we got to get out there. And make there's some something money. in the bridge, though, that I feel like supports your theory. Now, our luck may have died, and our yep. love may be cold. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I... It just made me think, like, they're in a loveless kind of relationship, and well, they're just together. Well, and it goes back to the chorus. Well, now everything dies, baby, that's a fact, but maybe everything that dies someday comes back. That's a pimp talking to... He's trying to convince her. Yeah. Like, look, things are dead right now. The love's dead, but maybe it'll come back. You just got to do this for me. You got to make this money for me. I might me. be able to love you. We might be able to love you, Millhouse. Starting OnlyFans. <laughs> he, so, I mean, it could be he's pimping her out, or he's taking her there to, you know, fuck a dude or get gangbang so she can pay off his debts. That's what I think. That's my dark take on Atlantic City. But uh, it's, it, it's a great fucking... It's a great fucking song. I mean, because this is a guy who, he says the whole time, he just keeps losing. Well, I'm tired of coming out on the losing end, so honey, last night I met this guy and I'm going to do a little favor for him. Now that favor... Blowjob. Could be her. Could be feet. That's my theory. That's my theory. Well, she's putting stockings on. I mean, <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the fetish. Maybe that's why he said put the stockings yeah. on. Um. So yeah, I, I love this. I love the chorus. I, whether I'm right or wrong, it's it's still a dark song. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because you can tell when he's saying we're we're going to Atlantic City, nothing good is happening in Atlantic no, City. No. You know what I mean. Uh, anything else on that one? 
Not your favorite yet? This is one of my favorites. Mansion on the Hill? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Atlantic City? Yeah. Next one, Mansion on the Hill. This one is the most on the nose out of all of them. Yeah. Because this one is, I, I mean, this it's literally just a song about he's a kid, he's driving around with his dad, he sees this mansion on a hill, these people living there. It's better. the most Springsteen-esque out of all... I feel like the songs on this album. Like the lyrics, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he sees this mansion on it's a hill. It's the haves versus the have-nots. Yeah, he's dreaming about it. And then he grows up one day, and now he's driving past it, and he's seeing the mansion on the hill. It's, a, I mean, it's a good song, but, you know, I like that he's talking about, like, life passing by as he, he dreams about this mansion. I even thought the mansion on the hill, because Springsteen's kind of a liberal guy, it could have been... Uh, reference to uh, that famous uh, line that Ronald Reagan has about America being a, sh- a shiny city on a hill. Oh, yeah, probably uh, so. I, I kind of thought that was... Because this is right in that same time period. Yeah, so I kind of thought that was that was uh, what he was going for there. But yeah, I don't have much to say about this one. Um, it's him, you know, it's the haves and the haves not, have-nots. It's yeah. him watching his life pass away as there's always this unattainable, you know, security... And, and yet that's what he's working for, but he's never going to get there. His dad didn't get there. He didn't get there. He's just going to keep driving this road. But yeah. Yeah. Next. Johnny 99. Johnny 99. Yeah. I love this one. This might be my favorite one. This is a rocking tune. Yeah. This is a rocking tune. The lyrics are great for this one. Opening lyrics to the song, well, they closed down the auto plant in Mawa late last month. Yeah. That's just gold, dude. So we find out. That basically this guy loses his job and just starts going crazy. Getting drunk. Getting drunk. For mixing tanqueray and wine. And wine, yeah. (laughs) He shot a gun. He uh, he got a gun, shot a night clerk. Now they call him Johnny 99. Mm -hmm. So this guy gets caught too. Yes. Interestingly, he is also begging to die. (laughs) but for very different reasons yeah yeah. and this is what i love about the song this guy's reason for wanting the death penalty is basically he's like i i just i got debts i can't pay i don't want to get a job again like life sucks because he says uh when he's talking to the judge he says uh the bank was holding my mortgage and taking my house away now i ain't saying that made me an innocent man but it was more in all this that put that gun in my hand well, Your Honor, I do believe I'd be better off dead. And if you can take a man's life for the thoughts that's in his head, then won't you sit back in that chair and think it over just one more time? So clearly, the court was taking; they were having sympathy for him. Well, and- I don't, I don't think so. This is what I think, because we get uh, a lyric at one point in the song. Oh, 98 in a year? 98 in a year, we'll call it even Johnny 99. I think he's oh, right. saying... See, yeah, when you because, said that, I thought of that immediately. Because he's going he's going to be in jail for 99 life. years. Yeah, for So he's life. like, why not just kill me? Yeah, exactly. I guess that would be my opinion, too. Like, just kill me. I don't want to spend my whole life in fucking prisons. Just, that'd be, that's worse than out here. So I, I, I fucking love that. Like, this guy wants to die, wants to be executed. Life is just too damn much sometimes. And and again, this is a rocking tune. Oh yeah, Springsteen's just losing well, it on. This well, tune. it's kind of like a, a Chuck Berry song. Uh, yeah, yeah. If it was like a true. full band, I could see this being played by like a full band. Oh yeah, this could this could translate into like a band playing. It. This is the the one song on the album that if he was playing it 
in a, in a concert, I can picture him like he can just bring the house down with this. Yeah, you know what I mean, because it's real fast, it's real aggressive, and I like that it, it starts off at a hundred miles an hour and it ends at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, never lets up. So yeah, I, I like Johnny Ninety Nine. So that's one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and next, Highway Patrolman. Highway Patrolman. The most, I would say, the most cinematic out of all the songs tells a story. Got turned into a movie. The Indian Runner. Uh, starring David Morse, a young Viggo Mortensen, and apparently Charles Bronson, which I never knew. I got to watch. And directed this movie. by, written and directed by uh, none other than Sean Penn, and executive produced by Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. <laughs> yeah, wrap your head Greasy. around that one. But it, it is—it's cool they made this into a movie. I haven't watched it. I'll watch it and I'll report back. But uh, I, I love this because it tells a full story. I almost feel like I don't even need to watch the movie because. Springsteen kills it. Tell he lays the story. it out. So, I mean, it, it's from this guy who's a, a state trooper. It's from his perspective. And he's got a brother, uh, Frankie. And Wayne Frankie no ain't no good. <laughs> and he basically just talks about, you know, they, they grew up together. They were very close. Frankie goes uh, to Nam, comes back. And goes a little wild. And he's a wild, he's a wild man. He's a wild man. And he even says... Uh, uh, the the main character he says uh, I, I've been as honest as I can be, which tells me he's probably bent the law for his brother a few times to get well, him out of trouble. Yeah, because he, he the whole lyrics for the song is, well, if it was any other man, I put him straight away. But when it's your brother, sometimes you look the other way. Mm-hmm. And he, he it's this song is about cognitive dissonance to me. Interesting. About knowing the difference between right and wrong, and you directly go against that to help someone that you care about. Right, because he's in a gray area. Yeah. Because, you know, he says, uh, I catch him when he's straying like any brother would. Man turns uh, his back on his family. Well, he just ain't no good. Yeah. So to him, family is everything. And he would be a bad guy if he didn't help out Frankie. Yeah. Uh, but- one thing I want to ask you about the chorus. There's, a, there's an odd line to me. I'm not saying I know what it means. I'm just saying it stuck out to me. Uh, when he says, me and Frankie, laughing and drinking, nothing feels better than blood on blood. Taking, Great lyric. Taking turns dancing with Maria as the band played uh, Night of the Johns, Johnstown Flood. Is that right? Yeah. Um, the blood on blood lyric is a little weird. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me taking it weird. I think he's just talking about hanging out with family and yeah. being yeah, with, yeah. with your brother and shit like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, things progress to the point where Frankie, uh, does something that his brother can't ignore. He uh, basically beats a guy to a bloody pulp Mm -hmm. at a bar. He gets called in. Joe Roberts gets called in Mm -hmm. to go because he's the fucking sheriff or whatever. Yeah. To go handle Frankie. And then he's for a while, he's, uh, chasing after Frankie. Yeah. He's chasing after Frankie. And he chases him all the way up to the Canadian border. And then he watches his headlights disappear. He just pulls over on the side and he lets him go. Let's him go. Let's him go. Because a man turns his back on his family. Well, he just ain't no good. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great one. This is one of my favorites. I mean, again, it it, it just tells a full story. Uh, I mean, this guy in like four minutes has a song that has a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I, I, I do want to see the movie, especially now that I know Charles Bronson is in it. But again, I'm like, I don't even know how a two-hour movie with all these talented actors and stuff can amount to just a fucking four-minute song of just Springsteen playing. Yeah. That's it. 
Well, it's great storytelling. Lyrically, he had something going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes one line can can catch on. Yeah. Um, and next up is a similar song. I always kind of think of it like a sequel to 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 Highway Patrol. Interesting. Cause, not that it's the same, but uh, I'm saying or an extension of the story. But it's kind of. I mean, this could be Frankie uh, after he's once yeah. he's already in Canada. So you know what? I'm going with this is a sequel. This is The Indian Runner 2, directed by Sean Penn. <laughs> um, Written by Zach Lehman. Yeah. Uh, State Trooper. I love this. I, I think this is my second favorite song on the album. This is an interesting one because musically it's kind of different from the rest of them. It's got an animal-like quality. Well, he was very influenced by punk rock for this. Oh, interesting. That makes... And I've seen a couple of punk bands cover this, like, on YouTube. Okay, i got to watch that. Um, I love the whoop that he does. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the punk thing he was trying to do. He was, like, trying to mimic one of these punk singers, Alan Vega or someone like that. Give me a, give me a, a whoop. 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 Oh, <laughs> let's just move on from that. Is, is today the day you become a man, no house? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love just the quick, like, short strumming. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it, menacing. It gets your heart thumping. I, and basically, this is a song. Uh, this guy, he's in a car. License registration. I ain't got him. But, but I, I got, got a clear conscience about the things that I've done. Great fucking lyric. Because this motherfucker, if he gets... He doesn't feel bad. If he gets pulled over by this state trooper, he will turn around and kill this motherfucker. Yeah. And actually, maybe, let me hit you with this. When Frankie's running away, he might not know it's his brother behind him. Middle of the night. Maybe, yeah, but he's got those lights going too. Oh, in State Trooper? Yeah, when I think I think, I think well, I think he's just chasing him down. I just imagine the the scene. How I was imagining it was there's a cop behind him, and he could turn on his lights, but he hasn't yet. I think and so. This guy's like, don't do it, don't. Do I it. think he, I think well in State Trooper, yes, but I think at the end of that, he knows his brother's chasing him down. I think his brother has oh. the lights on. He's trying to push him out as far as he can. Oh, go. Okay, interesting. Okay, okay, all right. That's my theory. Okay, we can go with either. But yeah, so I, I love this. It's so creepy. This guy uh, who's in the car, we're in his perspective, and he says, uh, "Maybe you got a kid. Maybe you got a pretty wife. The only thing I got's been bothering me my whole life. Oof. Like this motherfucker is ready. To, like, it, and it's interesting because." Again, we see these different shades of bad people in this in this uh, album. You know, we see the guy in Nebraska who's just a stone cold killer. We see the guy in Atlantic City who may or may not be pimping out his wife. You know, we get Frankie who's just a little bit troubled, and we're seeing these different layers of bad people and how varied they can be in their evil. And this guy, his thing is, he's like, I don't want to kill you, but if it comes down to you and me. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You're, you're going to die. Your kids ain't going to have a dad. Your wife's going to be a fucking widow. So great song. I love it. Again, I love the fucking, the whoop. Well, I love the, the third verse in the wee wee hours. Your mind gets hazy. Radio relay towers going to lead me to my baby. Radio's jammed up with talk show stations. It's just talk, 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 talk till you lose your patience. He's um, on the edge and anything is going to set him off. And uh, there's another line here that's repeated in another song. 
when he says, hey, somebody out there, listen to my last prayer. Listen to my last prayers in another song. And it's another guy listening to the radio in the middle of the night. So interesting little shared universe stuff. Yeah, I love State Trooper. That's one of my favorites. It used to be my favorite until I listened to the album this time. Yeah. So next we're on to used cars. I'm interested to hear what you say about used cars because this one was the mo- one of the most vague to me. And I, I got, let me hear what you got to say. I think this is one of the most straightforward. Okay. Well, let me hear it. Well, I think this is all about feeling uh, hopeless and being poor and shit and just coming from a normal middle-class American family. Yeah. Mr. One Day, the lottery I win, I never going to ride no used car again. Mm-hmm. But the lyrics of the song go through how they're testing out his, it's from the perspective of a kid. Yeah. And he's with his family, and they're riding in this used car with a salesman. And he's just basically saying, I can't really give you a deal. I can't do this. I can't yeah. do that. And it, he, he hints that basically it's a bad marriage. This kid's miserable, and they're poor. Yeah. And I will say the, the lyrics in this, uh, this is what it's like to grow up miserable and poor. Yeah. <laughs> like when he says, uh, I ain't ever going to ride no used, car, used cars again. That I took as... Okay, so that I took as... Uh, is he saying something kind of positive? Like, he's like, I'm never going to be like this. I think that lyric, now, Mr. The the Day, The Lottery I Win, I Ain't Never Gonna Ride No Use Car Again. I think it's trying to aspire to something. Right. Because, like... But it's very moody. When you're, when you're poor like that, you always just... You have these pipe dreams of trying to get out of these situations that you were just born into. Mansion on the Hill. Mansion on the Hill. Yeah, yeah. Same, same kind of theme. And uh, he, he has another one. Uh, he's talking about the neighbors looking at them. And it's something like, uh, he, I think he's talking about his dad. I wish he'd hit the gas uh, and let out and let out a cry and tell them all they can kiss, kiss our asses goodbye. Now, is he saying he doesn't like the neighbors like judging them? Or is he just like, I wish my dad would just like fucking drive this car into a tree. <laughs> I think he's saying, I want to get out of this neighborhood and out of this life. Mm. I want to leave. I want to escape. To mm-hmm. me, this is about escapism. Being trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Being stuck in that I life. I like that. I like that. Um, anything else about this one? Used cars? No. I, I ain't ever going to ride no used cars again. All right, next one. Open All Night. I love this song. This is another one that's kind of like could be a rocking yeah, one with very band. Well, I loved it because about like 30 seconds in, I went, oh, I know what this is about, or at least what I think it's about. <laughs> this is a poor, hardworking man trying to get laid, driving in the middle of the night with a dick just so hard it's pressing up against the steering wheel. Yeah, and you're trying to stay awake and you're pushing yourself on no sleep. You've just been fucked over all day, and all you want is to get laid. Because this guy's doing he's and. Listen, if you're a man, I mean, we've been in this situation, driving a shitty-ass car, you got to stop and check the oil, you got to make sure it doesn't break down on this two-hour ride to get laid, you just got off work, working all fucking night. Uh, I, I love this, man. This is so fucking relatable. Well, this, I think, is the funniest song on the it album. It is the funniest, yeah, for sure. Because he's talking for about sure. finding a payphone and yeah. all this shit. <laughs> his, his mind is so frantic because all his blood's in his dick. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just talks about, you know, the boss don't dig me, so he put me on the night shift. Takes me two hours to get to my baby. And it, it repeats the line from State Trooper, in the wee wee hours, your mind gets hazy. 
Oh, I didn't notice that yeah. one. Uh, he it also uh, much later it uh, the uh, listen my last prayer. It repeats that too. He's mm-hmm. listening to the radio. Uh, I love too when he's talking about how he met uh, his woman. He's talking about uh, we're wiping our fingers on a Texaco map. They're eating fried chicken together. It's so white trash. Like I, I was getting a little turned on. I was like, oh yeah, this is my kind of this is my kind of night. Um, yeah, I love that. Your mind gets hazy. Uh, radio relay towers. Won't you leave me to my baby? I love that because, again, we've all made that drive. And then the last line is is gold to me, is, uh, hey, Mr. DJ, uh, won't you hear my last uh, my last prayer? Hey to rock and roll. Hey, ho, rock and roll. Hey, ho, rock and roll. Deliver me f- from nowhere. Yeah, that's a great Because that's where he is. He's nowhere. Yeah. But he's trying to get somewhere. And by somewhere, pussy. I mean inside a pussy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that one. Um, then we're on to my father's house. My father's house was kind of like used cars for me. Again, it's so vague. It's so slow. It, this actually might be the most vague song on here because I agree. I really didn't even I, the whole time I'm thinking because this is basically about a man. He's having a dream. Not much happens in the song compared to other songs. Well, I think this song, there was a couple different things I thought it could be about. I thought it could be about religion. I thought it could be about God. Or also death. That was my thought listening to it, that it was about death. It was about, you know, because he's talking about he wakes up in the woods in his dream. He sees his father's house. He walks up to it. This woman answers the door. He asks for his father. She says, he don't live here no more. And so me, uh, me the whole time I was listening to him, I'm like, okay, this is about loss. This is about, you know, you can, you, you basically can never get rid of the past. The past is always there. You can't change it, but you also can't forget it. But then there's a line at the end where then it changed everything for me because he says, uh, calling and calling so cold and alone, shining cross uh, this dark highway where our sins lie unatoned. So then I'm like, okay, so something happened with his his father or his, his family, and we just don't even know what the fuck it is. Well, the way that I took it was <coughs> at one point does he – like. Does he he wake up from his dream and he's trying to go see his father? Because there's, I'll back up for a second, talk about one of the lyrics that I really like. I broke through the, the trees and there in the night, my father's house stood shining and bright and bright. The branches and brambles tore my clothes and scratched my arms. There's I like something, that. I love that. It's so beautiful. It's, like, very, it's very poetic. It's very uh, visual and realistic and yet still dreamlike. There's something about going through the forest like that that's very, very dreamlike. But he talks about waking up at one point and getting in his car and driving to this house. Mm. And that's when the woman is there and she's like, he doesn't live here anymore. Mm. So it's like going back to a place so that you dreamed about, and it's not how you imagined it to be. Like something is haunting him, and it's going to keep haunting his dreams, because when he goes there in real life, the world's already moved on. Yes. There's no going back to the past. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't know where his father is then. Yeah. Because he went to his father's house. He wasn't there. Or he could be still in a weird, uh, a weird state where he just shows up hoping against hope. You know what I mean? The other thing I took it as is maybe because it, it talked about the issues that they have and that he has problems with his his father. The other way I took it was he shows up there. Maybe this is his new wife 
and he was like, if my son ever show, this is a reach, but if my son ever shows up, don't. Well, this is a song you can make reaches on because again, it's it is very vague and not, you don't have much to go on, but uh, still haunting like the rest of the album. Um, by the way, have you told me what your favorite song is yet? We haven't gotten to it. I mean, I like Johnny Ninety Nine oh, a lot. Wait, wait, wait. We have the same favorite song, bro. Of course we do. Yeah. Oh fuck, man. Uh, the the last but not least, bro. Reason to believe. Which this might be. I used to take this as the most positive song on the album. I think it's the most negative song on the album. Uh, I, I I love this song. It's 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 that weird gray area where it's very dark. It's very negative. It's it's like a very negative, cynical guy doing his best to say something positive. You know what I mean? That's how I took it because that's how I feel like I am with my writing a lot, even though I, I can't write something as great as this. But it's like a song about how the world is basically shit and everyone is shit. But then Bruce Springsteen's like, eh, but you know, they keep on believing. I, I take it a different way. Tell me how you take it, brother. So I take it as look at these stupid motherfuckers because it goes through all of these people in this song and he says they're still Ooh, believing. Interesting. I even because it starts off the, the album starts off with Nebraska, yeah. which is maybe there's just a meanness to this world. And then well, it ends I, with this. It's like, why are these people still believing? But I think, okay, I take it a little bit differently because I, I get what you're saying. I think this is a song acknowledging that there is a meanness in the world and that a lot of the shit we do is pointless, but and I guess we'll, I'll get into the lyrics in a second, but the way I view the chorus is he's saying the best that we can get from this world is people creating meaning, which is still meaningless. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it really is. It's, I don't know. I, I say this again. I, I just relate to this because I, I feel like this is where I'm at a lot of the time. This is the most S. Craig Zoller song on the album. Oh, yeah. And uh, opening lyrics. You know what? You read them to me. I want to hear them. I want to close my eyes and hear them. Seen a man standing over a dead dog lying <laughs> by the highway in a ditch. Milhouse is very offended, dude. He's going to cancel Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> He's looking down kind of puzzled, poking at that dog with a stick. Got his do car door flung open. He's standing out on Highway 31. Like if he stood there long enough, th that dog get up and run. By the way, a quick uh, advertisement for myself. If you like dead dogs, Nye has <laughs> lots of dead dogs. Not just one. Go buy it. Amazon.com. Um, I love that opening lyric, bro. Yeah, that me too. one of my favorite opening lyrics. And, and it paints such a vivid picture. Yeah, because it's so specific. You, you, you know you can picture seeing this. And then uh, we get into, uh, you know what? You read it again. Read me the chorus. I like hearing this. Struck me kind of funny. Seemed kind of funny, sir, to me. Still, at the end of every hard-earned day, people find some reason to believe. See, again, I take it as, uh, maybe this is me taking it more uh, personally. Uh, I take it as, again, someone who... We've just gone on this dark journey that is Nebraska. We have been to the pits of hell in this album. This is a guy who's taken us there, and now our, our, our journey through hell, our little trip, is done. And he's trying to put the best bow on it he can, but it's still shit. He's like, the world is shit. This is all shit. But you know what? After a hard-earned day, people still find a reason to Well, believe. it takes very 
three different situations. So the first one is yeah, the, the dead dog. The second one is uh, a guy leaving a chick. And she's unrequited Working, love. Yeah, yeah. And she's, she's, she's giving paying him all, all bills. Yeah, yeah. taking and, care of him, and he just up and leaves. And she still waits at the end of her dirt road for him to come back. And then the third one is about a uh, a baby, baby yep. getting um, baptized. Mm-hmm. And it's also about an old man dying, dying in like a shack and being poor and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And and there's people. He, he talks about people praying at one point. He's, uh, Lord. Won't you tell us? Tell us what does it mean? I think at this point he is he's making fun of that, like asking for meaning. And that's why I think the course is kind of an answer to that. It's like stop asking for meaning because there is no meaning. It's all just chaotic nonsense. But the thing that makes people different is they are either gifted or cursed with a conscience. They actively think about life, so they can't be complete animals. We're still animals. We still have these baser instincts. You know, we, we've, we've seen a lot of that through the album uh, Nebraska. But he's saying the closest thing you can get to meaning is people trying to find it where there is none. Making your own morals. Making your own morals. That's the best you can do in this world. I think that's the most positive message he can have. And I'm not saying it is positive. Yeah. I'm just saying... It's a cynic giving a positive message. Well, because the album starts off with there's just a, a stark fucking meanness in this world. It starts. That's the most negative song. Yes. And then we get, uh, again, varying degrees of evil throughout the whole song. Yeah. Or hopelessness. Or hopelessness, whatever you want to call it. Whatever yeah. you want to call well, it. Because a song like Used Car, it's really about like the evils of society and culture and class, class and, yeah, family. in America. Because this is Americana as fuck, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's why I said it's kind of, it's like, it did remind me of David Lynch. Because David Lynch, to me, is one of the best uh, American filmmakers. And I say American filmmakers because he makes so many movies about Americana, middle America. Even though people don't typically think of him as that person. Because he sees how important, like, the sort of heart and soul of America is, but he also sees how dark it is. And this is where Bruce Springsteen kind of goes down a David Lynch path. A I wouldn't, I would say this song is the most Lynchian out of all the songs. Oh yeah. Cause it's the most kind of random, seemingly yeah. random. Like there's no story really being told. This is more, it's like Bruce Springsteen is watching all these people, all these different situations and trying to find meaning in it. You know what I mean? Trying to find a reason to believe. Trying to find a reason to believe. Goddamn right. This song gives me a reason to believe, dude, because the world's a very dark place, but at least we get songs like Reason to Believe. That keeps me hoping. Like and subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. Rate us on iTunes. Whatever you got to do. We will be back next week. See ya. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.